0: love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord. 14. He doesn't have any positive role models. He longs to be affiliated with the group. He wants to achieve something, but he doesn't know what. He is bored, and at the same time, he is searching. This is many youth in America. For many of these youth, they turn to gangs. They're, and for the fortunate few, they will turn to youth groups. There, they will learn of Christ and there they will come to know the best type of fellowship that there is. Some can't imagine why anyone to many people's surprise, the attraction of a gang may be similar to the attraction of a youth group. Although the value system in life is very different, the need for fellowship is inborn in us all. Psychologists say that the reason why kids join gangs is because of their need for affiliation. Young people are looking for a place to belong. In this, they find their identity. Also, their need for achievement. All people, young and old, want to succeed in life. They want to accomplish something and be productive. Some youth lack positive role models. All youth naturally look up to older youth or adults. When adult role models aren't available, too often times they turn to their gang leaders for their role model and for their heroes. Notice the definition of fellowship as it is used in the scriptures. Koinonia, partnership, social, communicate, communion, distribution. Notice how the definition of fellowship in the scriptures ties in with the reason why kids join gangs. The need for affiliation ties in with the desire to share in a partnership with others and social interaction. The need to achieve ties in with benefaction or charitable gift or deed and distribution or to give money or, and service to others. Positive role models ties in with to communicate and to communicate. John chapter 1. First John chapter 1 John began the Gospel of John and the first Epistle of John by talking about Jesus coming to this earth and living or having fellowship with mankind. In verse 1 and 2, John speaks of Jesus coming down and manifesting himself, making himself available to the apostles and to everyone in the earth. In verse 3 and 4, it says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. We see here that we have fellowship with other Christians, with God the Father and Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 2.1, it says that we can also have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. To have fellowship with the Almighty God and the exalted Christ is awesome. We need to stop and think about how fortunate we are to have such wonderful people as God's people in our fellowship. And especially how awesome it is to be allowed into fellowship with the Godhead. Gangs are usually known by their gang activity, such as graffiti, their clothing—whether whether it be the same type of clothes, the same color, um, hand signals which outsiders can't understand, street talk, which may be a, a slang English. Their activities are also often illegal: drugs, drinking, alcohol, stealing, vandalism, etc. Youth in the Lord's fellowship also had certain activities. We'll be turning to Second Corinthians eight. 2 Corinthians 8. Paul was collecting family relief for the church in Jerusalem in this chapter. The church in Macedonia, who was also in poverty themselves, gave a generous amount to help their brothers and sisters who, were, who lived so far away. In verse 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians 8, it says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift of and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We see here that their act of giving was called fellowship. They wanted to have fellowship with Paul, and they wanted to have fellowship with the people that they were giving to. Our youth group also has this kind of fellowship often. Just two weeks ago, some of our youth went from class to class, collected $1,753 to buy nice Bibles for our inner city kids that we work with each week. The SWAS team, or Service with a Smile, does rake and runs We visit shut-ins, we paint, help with work days at the building, serve at banquets such as Young and Heart and teachers' banquets, and many more things. We also have teen mission trips that we go on once every summer, and we go and help smaller um, churches with their VBS. We've been to Maryville, Tennessee, and Camilla, Georgia. Foundations will host a fellowship meal, a luncheon next Sunday to honor our 62s and up. Our fellowship grows deeper and deeper with each other the more we serve together in fellowship. No doubt God has designed the church family and the youth group this way. A wonderful way for each of us to grow closer to those new in the church and the youth group is to serve together with them side by side. If you will turn to Philippians 3.10. Philippians three ten, It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. When we we see youth pay the price for initiation and violence and gangs, sometimes we wonder, is it worth it? Paul knew the worth of being in fellowship with Jesus, and he longed to be in fellowship with him after his death. Because of this, he was willing to suffer for Christ just as Jesus was willing to suffer for us. Think of the irony of people who will go out and suffer for gangs, which is evil, and Christians, some Christians who won't even suffer for the cause of Christ. Suffering with Christ proves our loyalty. It isn't a bad thing. We should think of it as a privilege when we get to do so. Gang loyalty often goes to ex- the extreme. Roman Cisneros of LA is a graduate of Pepperdine and an expert in gang activity. In an interview about gangs, he stated such loyalty when asked about kids who get shot and survive. He says, unless a gang member is bedridden, he's right back out on the street the very next day. The gunshot wound is his medal of valor. And if fellow gang members, it symbolizes his invincibility. Gang loyalty sometimes may go to an extreme, but it doesn't compare with the loyalty of faithful Christians to the cause of Christ. In the first century, many Christians were beaten, Burned, sawed into, mauled by wild animals, and crucified, and other forms of torture. This didn't deter other Christians from the fellowship of believers. This made them stronger. One example was found when the church was very young in Acts 5. We'll turn to Acts 5. In verses 17 and 18, the high priest had the apostles thrown into a prison because they were spreading the word of God. And in verse 34, they stand before this council, and instead of the council killing them, they beat them and then command them never to speak the name of Jesus again. And in Acts 5, verses 41 and 42, it says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. We need to learn from this passage to not be angry or quit or get embarrassed or give up our will when we suffer for Christ. But we need to be thankful that we have the opportunity to, be found loyal to fellowship with Christ and Christians. So, some can't imagine why anyone would want to join a game. Their need to belong, to achieve, to have someone to look up to, to be active is inborn in us all. The next time you wonder about the importance of a youth group, their fellowship, their service together, their loyalty to God and to each other, just remember, you're looking at a game the way God designed it.
1: Churchill once said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. When you think about it, that's what fellowship is all about, giving of ourselves to share with those around us. One day, Johnny was sitting in his Sunday morning Bible class, and his teacher was talking about how God created everything in the world. And Johnny was especially, especially interested when the teacher talked about how God created Eve from Adam's rib in his side. And about a week later, Johnny wasn't feeling well and his side was hurting. And Johnny's mom came in and asked him what was wrong. Johnny responded, Mom, my side hurts. I think I'm fixing to have me a wife. <laughs> but you see, from the very beginning, God never intended for man to be alone. He provides the, most, the closest and most intimate kind of fellowship between a man and his wife. In Genesis 2.18, if you'd like to turn there, the Bible tells us, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a hel- helper comparable to him. What is fellowship, first of all? Some definitions given at our fellowship meetings were fun, food, friends, Bible studies, devotionals, and much more. Tori Treadway spoke at our first meeting, and he gave a well thought out definition of the word fellowship. He said fellowship is a gathering with spiritual purpose and having spiritual results. In Matthew eighteen twenty, the Bible tells us, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This indicates fellowship is based on more than just fun. Christian fellowship is based on a common love, common bond, and a common hope. We share that together. If you turn to Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? To be alone is discouragement, and discouragement can lead to stress, and feeling alone can lead to depression. Everyone needs friends and fellowship, or they would feel alone. Christians should never feel lonely. And there is no need to be lonely here at Mount Juliet because there are so many great Christians here that would go all their way to make sure that you feel secure. There are so many ministries here in our congregation, and we have a book out in the foyer called The SOS, or Serving Our Savior, that lists all the ministries here at Mount Juliet Church of Christ. And in this little book, it names every single ministry here. And just to name a few, House to House, Heart to Heart is led by Carrie Smith, and any age can help with this ministry. All you have to do is be able to count to 25 and put a rubber band around the pamphlets. This is an excellent excellent opportunity for brothers and sisters in Christ to have fellowship and be able to gain relationships. Another ministry is called the Outreach Program, which is led by Tim Smith. Every six months, Christians are sorted into different outreach groups. And some have fellowship at others' houses and eat meals. And some just pass out cards and send the cards to so people who are sick and those that have visited our congregation. There are so many other ministries here at this church. And all you have to do is look at one of these books out in the foyer and just look at, look at them and decide which ones you would like to help in. And today, I'm in one of the outreach groups, outreach group number one, and we met at Ann Craddock's house, and we had a meal together and had fellowship, and it was pretty good food, and I liked it, so it was pretty good. I would challenge y'all to get in that if y'all would like to. Fellowship in the congregation is not just at church. A couple of years ago, my family started going to Tuesday Night Pizza, where Christians of all ages go and enjoy fellowship with each other. You can learn a whole lot of interesting facts from our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have a lot of wisdom. Just to name a few that have been there, Bobby and Ernestine Reasons. Bobby has taught me a whole lot about football and his coaching career. They're wonderful Christians. Buddy and Sissy Pickler. Buddy's another guy who knows a whole lot about football, and he's also a high-achieving business executive. They They are a wonderful Christian couple. Aaron and Mary Jones. Aaron is a man who works his heart out to make sure everything goes right on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, and Wednesday nights, and make sure everything is well organized. Jim and Marge Gregory. Jim is a man with a lot of wisdom. He will talk to you about anything, laugh with you, and he'll also go anywhere if they need help, such as the Hurricane Katrina victims in New Orleans. Jim also had a hip replacement, and that hadn't slowed him down any. Bill Cox. Bill's a man who is true and dignified example of a good Christian man, and was always such a dedicated husband to Miss Royce. There are so many others that always come, and I love being with them and their fellowship. Without fellowship in the church, I probably would not have been able to meet all the people I have today. I would like to challenge all the teens to follow the example of our elder Christians and the great life that they have lived. And I'd also like to challenge the older members here to get to know us better. B, benevolence, edifying, and evangelizing. These are the three main works of the church. As Christians, we're expected to do all three of these. Benevolence. Benevolence means to do good or helping people. In our youth group, there are so many opportunities that we have to help widows or anyone who needs something done around church. Edify. Edify means to build up. And as young Christians in the youth group, we build up one another with encouragement and giving each other confidence. Every time we talk to older members here, it brightens their day up so much to see that we're not just friends with young Christians, but expanding our friendships with older members. One day, Mr. Jack Cronk Sr. Asked, asked me to come up and say hello anytime I saw him. And I appreciated that invitation so much, and I make sure to speak to him whenever I see him. It brightens the day for both of us. Evangelizing Evangelizing means spreading the word. At school, we can teach our friends that are not as close to God as we are and help them to go closer to God. On the first week of every month, Mount Gillette Church of Christ holds a service at Mount Gillette Healthcare. Prayers, singing, sermons, and more are in our services at the healthcare. Wayne Williamson is head of this and makes sure that it's all organized. Fellowship in one way or another is involved in all of these examples. It's not just what you get from fellowship, it's what you can give to others in fellowship. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 42, in the description of what happened on the day the church was established, we read, And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of the bread and in prayers. If you also turn to John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. Jesus surrounded himself with close companions throughout his ministry, and the disciples would show fellowship when they would walk would, talk, would walk around with Jesus. And they were friends with Jesus while they were being trained to establish a New Testament church. They ate, slept, worked, rejoiced, and even cried together. Jesus prayed fervently for the apostles and loved them dearly. Now, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. From the very day the church was established, we we were taught the importance of fellowship. Our youth group is made of all ages of children and is headed mostly by Phil Wagner, Lex Canaster, Hoyt Smith, Andrew Phillips, David Shannon, and Doug Perry. It's great to be involved with such encouraging young people and we're so grateful for all the men and women who help with the youth group from kindergarten to high school. Each of us has a talent and a special gift to share with others. There's an old story of an old Chinese woman who had two pots and she would put those two pots on a long stick and she would put them on the back of her neck and walk down to the river close to her house. And when she would get down to the river, she would fill both pots up with water and she would walk all the way back home. And once she got home, she would have one and a half pots filled. You see, one pot was a really good pot pot and the second pot had a large crack in it and so every time she came home one pot would be all filled and the other pot would only be half filled and one day the pot that had the large crack in it got to feeling that he was letting the old woman down and so he said to the old woman I'm feeling that I've been letting you down all these years that you have come and get water so that you could use for this day. And she said, well, why do you say that? And the broken pot said, well, every day once you get home, you only have one and a half pots filled with water, and I'm the pot that's only giving you a half and not a whole. The old woman responded, you know, I knew you had a large crack, and I purposely put you on my stick. And every day, I would put you alongside the road, and you would drain water onto the side of the road where a bunch of seeds were. And every night, there would be beautiful flowers I could put on my dinner table. This fantasy story really shows how individual has certain talents. And if everyone here had the same talent or skills, we would not be unique. Everyone is useful, just like the broken pot. We develop our talents by working together. And in working together, we enjoy fellowship with one another. Our congregation is strong and productive because we have great, wonderful Christian fellowship with each other.
2: Good evening. rejection of others really hurt. California researchers have found a psychological basis for social pain by monitoring the brains of people who thought they had been excluded by others. Naomi, Naomi Eisenberg, a scientist in Los Angeles, stated that her findings show how deeply rooted our need is for social connection. There's something about exclusion from others that is perceived as being harmful to our survival as something that can physically hurt us and our, body automatically, and our body automatically knows this. Eisenberg's study involved a computer game in which test subjects were led to believe they were playing ball with two other players. At some point, the other players seemed to exclude the test subject from the game, making it appear the test subject had been suddenly ejected and blocked from playing with the group. The shock and distress of this rejection registered in the same part of the brain that also responds to physical pain, Eisenberg said. For years, poets have written about the pain of a broken heart. Now it seems to be neurological proof. This need for sharing with others is called fellowship in the scriptures. The Lord, the Lord created us in such a way we need fellowship and relationships. We need a relationship with God. We need a relationship with our church family, also with our physical families. When we don't have healthy fellowships, we long for it. We feel rejected. We may even hurt. One of the great opportunities we have as Christians is to help those who are searching for fellowship with God and his family, which is the church. We can learn much about this, those on the outside by seeing how Peter, lived, how Peter lived in this world. Peter had a close fellowship with Christ, but he also used much of his life trying to help those on the outside of Christian fellowships find the Savior and his church. Tonight, let's study about Peter and reaching those on the outside of our fellowship, because we all know people who we would like to see come into the fellowship with the Lord and his church. As we all know, Peter, Peter was the leader and spokesman for the 12 apostles. He was mentioned first in all four lists of the apostles. He was, he was even the leader of the inner circle of Jesus, which consisted of Peter, James, and John. Peter had a close fellowship with Jesus, the apostles, and Jesus' disciples. But Peter also had a powerful influence to those outside of Christ. He used this to encourage him to come into fellowship with the believers. Let's consider this great man and learn how he reached others and how we too can do the same. The first lesson we can learn from Peter is that fellowship with Christ must be guarded. Please turn with me to John chapter 13, verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Notice in this verse how Peter was overconfident of his faith. Jesus was warning of Peter of his denial. Now how could a great apostle who was the leader and spokesman for the apostles cross over from fellowship with Christ to fellowship with the world Let's see what caused this in Peter's life. Please turn again with me to Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You are also of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the the word of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. In this passage, there are three danger signs that Peter could have seen to know he was going to deny Jesus. His first, his first danger sign was his walk. In verse 54, we see that it says, Peter followed at a distance. Falling at a distance, we can usually relate to his being lukewarm. Now ask yourselves this question. Am I as close to the Lord as I has ever been? If your answer is, I'm not as close to the Lord as I once was, that's a danger sign. Another danger sign we see is in verse 55, where he sat down among the unbelievers. He made himself a peer of them. When we go places we shouldn't go or accept things as normal or acceptable that we shouldn't accept, we're making ourselves a peer of the unbelievers. The third, the third danger sign we see is in verse 59 where it says Peter lingered with Peter was, lingered with them. He was there for around an hour. When he was there, he was fellowshipping with darkness or people of wicked influence. He had peer pressure put on him. The great apostle Peter crossed over his fellowship with Christ. Prior to this, he had been in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying with Jesus, and now only hours later, he stood among the unbelievers, sharing fellowship in their denial of Jesus. But isn't it wonderful that Peter didn't remain in the fellowship of the unbelievers? Peter wept bitterly and confessed his love for Jesus three times in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And in less than two months, he was preaching a powerful sermon upon the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2. The second lesson we can learn from Peter is that fellowship with Christ must be encouraged to those outside the church family? Please turn with me to Acts chapter two. Peter had denied the Lord because of fear for those who were crucifying Jesus. Now he boldly proclaimed Christ to the same people in, in Acts chapter two. Only No Peter must have had a lot of courage. He was willing to face these Jews that, that killed Jesus. Only in Christianity would the murderers be invited into fellowship with those they murdered. Evangelism is a very powerful aspect of Christianity. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, we see Peter speaking up for Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be known. He was no longer ashamed of him. Also, in, in verse 23, we see how Peter spoke plainly about Jesus. These were the same people that, Je- that had crucified Jesus. Think of the courage that Peter had on that day. Also, in verse 31 of Acts chapter 2, we see... How Peter spoke hopefully of the resurrection. Even though they murdered Jesus, he told them about the hope of a better life on this earth and for eternity. Christ is the answer for anyone. No one has done something too bad for Jesus, for Jesus to save them. The third thing we can learn from Peter on how fellowship with others is fellowship of serving others extends to those outside the church family. Please turn with me to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who enter the temple. Who seeing Jesus, who seeing Peter and John, about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, was John. Peter said, "Look at us." So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew it was he who had sat begging at at and asking alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As we see in this passage, Peter was looking for someone who was in need. In verse 2, we see this beggar was lame for birth. He had to be carried to the temple gates. He could not provide for himself. In verse 3, we see he was asking alms or gifts of Peter and John. Now, isn't it interesting to think that Peter would have heard Jesus tell the story of the Good Samaritan, and he now applies that principle here. Remember the man who was in need, robbed? Injured and and religious men, one a priest and another a Levi, passed by on the other side. Now the question, what is Peter going to do seeing this beggar in need? Now note this point. Peter did not have to do anything for this man. He could have ignored him. He could have said, this man is asking for money and I don't have any. But Peter helped the beggar in the greatest way of all. Not only did he help him physically, but he helped him spiritually as we see in verse 8. This pattern is still true today. Many times the greatest good spiritually will only follow physical service. As we see, Peter shows us we must be careful not to be overcome by the world. We want to reach the world, not let the world overtake us. Peter shows us the great influence we can have on reaching others when we stand up and plainly speak the truth. We need to believe that everyone deserves to be told of the hope of Jesus and the plan of salvation. Peter shows us that serving others physically may open the door for greater good spiritually. Tonight, are you in fellowship with the world or with Christ? If you're a believer willing to repent and confess before others Christ, won't you be baptized? If you have been baptized, but the fellowship of the world has overtaken you, won't you return to the fellowship of God? If we can help you in any way, please come as you stand as we sing.